You're listening to Black Girl Blueprint. Because Black Girls did it first. And honestly, better. Period. Period. (laughs) Hi, everyone, and welcome to Black Girl Blueprint, your faith podcast for all the Gen Z Black Girl tea. My name's Lauren. And my name is McKean, and thanks y'all for tuning into today's episode. We have a great conversation. I just feel it in my bones lined up today. <laughs> we have a very special guest. Welcome Kai McIntyre with us today. We're going to be getting into the tea about fashion and what it's like to be a designer and just like dope and our age, which is something that I feel like we don't always see. So that's, I'm very excited for that. Yes, I'm so, so hyped to learn honestly, all the amazing things that Kai can offer about her expertise, all the tea about the fashion industry, the iconic prom dress, how she got her start. There's so, so much that we have to talk about today. So Kai, why don't you begin by just introducing yourself? Let us know a little bit about you. Go ahead, girl. Sure. (laughs) Well, my full name is Kaima McIntyre, but you guys can totally call me Kai, K-Y-E. And I'm from East Orange, New Jersey. I went viral with my prom dress when I was 17 and I'm 23 mm. now. So yes. it's been, it's been five years <laughs> since then. And, um, it feels like 20, <laughs> I believe <laughs> it. but, um, I mean, it's really interesting the, the way, um, I mean, the, the way the world is now and the headspace that I've kind of always been, I think people are, now beginning to realize how um powerful clothing is which is really mm-hmm. interesting because i mean i think we always knew the power of of clothing but so yeah so i'm i'm from east orange new jersey which has always been the seed of my inspiration um east orange new jersey is full of the african diaspora when i say we have everybody mm. here everyone is here um so many people from the islands so many people from africa and so many people from the UK. And so I, I find myself in a space where um, I can never recognize Black people as being simplistic or being of one. We are just so, mm. you know, we're just in the multitudes. And I grew right. up in you know, we um, had International Day in school and everybody I didn't get a chance to like rep a flag because being someone who doesn't really know exactly where her roots lie, um, mm-hmm. you know, always kind of was surrounded by people who would bring, you know, the Jamaican flag or the Trinidadian flag. And I found that to just yep. be so beautiful and so inspiring. And um, I knew that I was interested in fashion, believe it or not, in kindergarten. Mm, really? Period. <laughs> in kindergarten. That's, what's up? Like, it's so funny the way, like, spirit, you know, speaks to us. I was in, yes. uh, we had to wear uniforms. And I just was not with it. Like, I could not understand why they wanted me to dress like the person next to me. Like, what was this whole concept about? And I think at that age, at the age of five or six, I was like, we're literally in the system. You know, we don't have mm. much of a choice here. And I know it was school and blah, 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 but it was still like, isn't it supposed to be where I like express myself and show myself? And I found myself being so confined and it honestly just felt like every day was the same. That's such a special way to put it. Like I wore uniform and it's so like restricting. It's, it mm-hmm. does that way when you said it, it makes every day feel the same. Like I felt that like 
you lose track of like you don't even remember what you learned last week because like I wore the same outfit like I've never exactly. like the growth is like limited yeah I definitely feel that I mean dude, I get it you know the thing is like oh it lessens bullying blah 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 and I'm just like kids are going to bully regardless because of the society that we're in like it's so funny. It. Mm-hmm. like we think that children bully other children because they're children it's like no it's the society that they're learning from so at the exactly. end of the day whether you were wearing like a polo shirt from Aeropostale or a polo shirt from you know some other unnamed brand store they were going to mm-hmm. pick on you whether you were in uniform or not and I just felt like it was all such a I think I thought it was a lazy way of approaching bullying mm-hmm. so um, so I would do all it kinds really of things like wear like a silk shirt versus a polo shirt or like my mom, like my mom would be able to tell you best. Like she, we used to go at it because I'm like, mom, I cannot wear the same thing every single day. I just could not. And it's so funny how I had that, like those, those um moments of conflictions at that age. And mm. it kind of grew into this huge tree today where I'm like, I refuse to conform. I can't <laughs> anybody else's definition. So Mm. Um, it started right there with um, uniforms in um, kindergarten. <laughs> Period. Wow. That's, I can't wait to get more into that. That was amazing. Like, and that's such an interesting way of thinking about it. Like it is a lazy, if you really wanted to address bullying, there's 10 other options to do it, except beyond li- limiting like kids creativity in the one way that kids are like learning to express themselves. Like even when you're little and like the idea of like, I get to dress, like I get to pick out my outfit today. Like little kids love it and it might look crazy, but that's like how an identity within fashion comes to be. So that's, that's so special. But before we get like into it, into it, which I can't wait for, we just wanted to do our little read the room segment. And this is a segment that we open every episode with. So Lauren, why don't you tell us what we got today? What we chatting about? Right. I love the read the room segment. It's just a time to just <laughs> talk about all the funny tweets I honestly see on black Twitter and everything that's popping off. So awesome. for anybody who's new here, our read the room segment is just a little time at the beginning of the show where you honestly just chat about some things that are going on in pop culture, black Twitter, always fair game, some tea about our personal lives. When McKean and I become a little bit more interesting, we'll be getting into that. Um, <laughs> for real. Just like any topics that people want to send in. So the first thing on the agenda is something that McKean and I were actually talking about last week that we thought would be so funny or like good to talk about also <laughs> just for a read the room segment is basically started with a tweet, I think is where the whole idea came mm-hmm. from. But there was a viral tweet going around where people were asking if you would rather have $8 billion or if you would rather have dinner with Jay-Z. And there were a lot of people who were saying that they would <laughs> rather have the dinner with Jay-Z instead of the money. And we just wanted to talk about that and kind of, you know, the two sides to that coin. So McKean, Mm. expand a little bit more for us all. Uh, Honestly, okay. If you asked me this four years ago, I probably would have said dinner with Jay-Z without question, without any thought on it. Because in my head, that was like, yes, like you have to be in the room to like stay in the room. Like maybe he'll give me the tips, da, 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 da. Like, you know, the sort of like concept of, you know, if I want to grind and if I want to hustle and like, you know, Jay-Z's concept of like, I'm going to bring up the people around me. I was just like, yes, yes. Yeah, I could, I can subscribe to that. But I'm also now I'm like, what mm-hmm. you, Lauren, actually, before <laughs> the call, Lauren brought up this tweet where she was like, the tweet said, wait, tell us, what did the tweet say, Lauren? It was, it was, imagine you pick dinner with Jay-Z over a million dollars and then he tells you no business talk at dinner. And then it was <laughs> 
And I was like, but period, but the straight facts. Cause every time I saw those dinner with Jay-Z tweets, I was always like, okay, I see what you're talking about. You know, like McKeith said, you got to get in the room, you got to network, you know, you got to do what you got to do. But what makes you think, first of all, what specifically can Jay-Z tell you in terms of insight that you can't find out online for free with your million dollars? <laughs> or at least with $8 million for a course. Exactly. Like, you know, <laughs> there's online courses that you could take for this. But also, <laughs> what also makes you think that Jay-Z wants to network? Like, people be like, oh, yeah, I'll just slide him my mixtape and then I'll be good to go. Like, Jay-Z might not like your music. <laughs> Jay-Z right. might be like, actually, right now. No. Kai, what do you think? <laughs> what, do you what, think? Is, what is your opinion on this? I, you know what? Um, I thought about it for half a second. I'm going with the money. <laughs> <laughs> Period. Period. Like, it's not even, honestly, it's not even a hard, like, decision, in my opinion. Like, mainly, I guess it's just because um, I'm not fascinated with being in the room. Like, I'm just, mm-hmm. it's, like, whether it's a room full of Black pioneers or white pioneers or whatever, like, I just can't. I think, especially coming from a generation where we don't really have, like, quote-unquote leaders, I find mm. it really easy to, like, see myself as a model, you know? I mm-hmm. find it really easy to see myself saying, actually, like, why don't I just gather all my friends and we can create our own room? You know what I'm yes. saying? Like, that's why I'm looking not, for it. You know, and I think even Joey Badass had a quote he said, because um, in regards to Jay-Z, a while back when he was like... Um, Um, why would I sign to Jay-Z when I'm trying to be Jay-Z, you know? And I think, Mm. like, that's kind of attitude. I mean, it's a little bit of ego, right? But it's, that's just the level of... ego never hurt. You know, just a little bit, a tad bit. Right. Because, like, at this point, eight million? You know what I could do with eight million? Not eight million, eight billion dollars. People were like, dinner with Jay Z, no question. So I'm, I'm okay, with no. you, Kai. Oh, How much oh, the dinner oh, cost? Right. I could buy the dinner. I am Jay Z. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I imagine. I'll come over. There was another tweet that was like, imagine when Jay Z just leaves you with the bill. Exactly. Is that what you're going to do? That's the money. I'm start washing dishes in the back. <laughs> oh. Dreaming about that eight billion dollars. <laughs> Terrible, but okay. I mean, honestly, the word to like imagine ourselves as a mogul, like that was you just got, come with the gems. Like that was a great way to like. I mean, sometimes you have to. And actually, earlier I was reading an interview between so random, but I was reading an interview between Laura Harrier and Halle Berry, and they were talking about Lena Horne as an actress. This is so random, but they're talking about like what it was like to be Lena Horne when you didn't see any black women on screen before yourself. And, like, how it felt to embody, like, being the representation, like, that you didn't have. And, like, what that means. It was just such a profound conversation. And, and like, you you know, for Halle Berry to be the first Black woman to win an Oscar. And then for Laura Harrier to be, like, this sort of new wave of, like, Black young actresses. It was just, I recommend that you read it. It was, I think it was for VMAG, but I'm not really sure. Or Vanity Fair. But anyways, it also kind of makes me think about, like, this new debate about, you know, with the rise in like support of black owned businesses, there's also the debate of like, well, why I would buy black owned businesses, but they cost too much. Or like, I would, you know, like what makes Telfar like a luxury business? Like, you know, you know, those types of people, mm-hmm. it's like, right. because it's black owned, why it gotta be expensive. And like, even when Fenty, like when Rihanna's like luxury quote, you know, identified luxury brand came out, yeah. people were like, 
why is it cost a luxury price? But also then, like, yeah, the debate about what luxury means. And like, I'm just curious to hear your thoughts on all of that. Go ahead, Kai. As if black designers cannot be luxurious. It, It blows my mind. First of all, like, I find myself in multiple tiers, everything from luxury to to seeing people on the bus wearing my T-shirt. That's just the way I'm coming. You know what I'm saying? It's an umbrella. Like society is so much more than a top tier. And honestly, I'm kind of over that fashion lens, especially Mm. because I wasn't born in the hills of Hollywood. Like, you know what I mean? So it never Mm, really interested me. But um, in regards to... people's like dissatisfaction with something like Fenty, it blows my mind that they can't recognize, first of all, her worth. And then right. second of all, why would you, why would you even, um, like, why are you questioning her price? Like, I just don't mm-hmm. like, it's so, it's like, it's almost like we're taking the worth right out of designers pockets, like right out of their mouth. Like I just, I'm trying not to get frustrated because I know people have done that no, for me. real. My, my pieces are not, in my opinion, my pieces are not super expensive. Like, I think they're quite affordable. People are mm. like, oh, no, you just started out. You're so young. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, well, you know what Labor I'm saying? This is what age. <laughs> exactly. Right? But you know what, though? Honestly, you guys, we have to also remember, like, we have entered an age of fast fashion. Like, the past 20 years has been fast fashion, right? And I think mm-hmm. it, I would say the 90s was maybe the last real age of like luxury brands kind of like taking over, um, especially mm. because we didn't, we don't have like, at one point fashion shows you had to be invited to, you had to sit in, it was not online, you know, it wasn't for the mass mm-hmm. public. So now we have a situation where everybody has an opinion, everybody can access these items and it just doesn't feel very secluded anymore. And I'm, for many reasons, I'm excited about that. But what it's mm. done is it's given people um, this idea that just that clothing has the same source. And what I'm, the reason why that is is because people don't think about where clothing is even being sourced from. You know what I mean? Like you buy an H&M mm. shirt for $12, you have no idea who made that shirt. You know, you have no idea. Right. Who, what they got paid to make that shirt mm-hmm. dollars, and so we don't yep. we aren't really like talking about the value of clothing. So for me, like I'm sitting here at my, my machine and sewing for eight hours just to get that seam right. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like that versus um, an assembly line of workers who are getting paid forty cents. You right. know, for mm-hmm. batch of right. t-shirts making is a totally different um value system and it's i don't even know if it's the customer's fault i think it's the way that the fashion mm. system has been run you know what i mean and i think that yep. is ultimately what people have fallen into that's definitely wow i think also like with the whole telfar trend i would love for your thoughts on that because you did mention you're excited about like in some ways this ability to gain access to luxury and like to witness it, even if you're not buying it yourself, like just to, to watch a brand form. Like, I know I'm not buying no fancy, not at this point in my life, but like, I'm gonna watch what they put out. And like, I, you know, because social media is like at my fingertips, I'm, I can share my opinion and never consider purchasing. But also right. for Telfar to like have this brand of like, not for you, for everyone. And like, to also be like, we're luxury, but we're for everyone. I'm just so curious of like, what excites you about like, this moment in fashion like what do you think about that all right so i'm i'm just be honest with you guys i tr- 
I watched the films that they put out and I'm having a hard time like understanding it. Like I, mm-hmm. I'm like, and I never really followed Telfer. Like, and I, I'll, I'll be honest, like I never really follow like, any fashion brands. That's just the way that mm-hmm. I am. I am inspired by literally everything else. But um, I tried to watch it and I was just like, what is this? I don't particularly understand. At the end of the day, like, mm-hmm. At the end of the day, we can talk about luxury and we can talk about for everyone. But if it isn't accessible to everyone, then it's not for everyone. You know what I mean? Mm. So, I mean, yep. I'm not, I don't, I don't want to say that they're wrong or they're not doing it right. Because to be honest, I don't understand. I mean, it's their first time really going in this direction. But honestly, mm. um, <clears throat> it's very hard to combine luxury with for everyone. It's just a, a weird right. space. because <laughs> We're talking about commodities and exchangement of money for clothing mm-hmm. so, um, and luxury as we know is going to be high priced so everybody can't buy high priced items mm-hmm. right yep that's no nope, that's the that's tea right there honestly with like even the redefinition that they're trying to do of luxury luxury in and of itself like what we were talking about with fenty is it's basically a bigger conversation of are these items luxurious or are they more valuable because you have to work to get them like right. is, uh, you know, I don't know what even considered expensive, but like a thousand dollar item. Is that mm-hmm. more valuable or luxurious because I had to save for months to get it versus yes. like a $50 purse that's being, you know, deemed as luxurious or $200 purse that I can just afford yeah. off the bat. Is that the same thing? And I think that's what they're trying to figure out. I think it'd be mm-hmm. interesting to replace luxury with valuable. Mm-hmm. Because what that does is it changes what the recipe is for that item. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Changes what it, mm-hmm. the definition of the item. Um, <clears throat> in terms of things being luxury or luxurious, I don't, I don't know if the items that I make are luxurious, you know, but they're valuable. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Yes. and, um, that, and that, that's the other thing. It's kind of like, maybe we have to use new words. Maybe we have to, and also maybe redefine old words because at this point, mm-hmm. um, like I said, if, if it isn't accessible, to, if it's not accessible to everyone, then it's just not, it's not, not available. Everyone. everyone. Yeah. Everyone can't reach it. Everyone can't access it. But I also think that the reason in going, speaking on what you just mentioned, I think that the reason why, and that's the other thing about fashion, like, <laughs> Fashion has a way of using these words um, and mm. then they, they're really umbrella terms, right? They're really terms that when we hear the word, we think of images, we think of all of these other definitions. And so immediately, whenever I think of luxury, I'm thinking about like, you know, 100% gold and things that are 15K, you know, things of that mm-hmm. nature. And um, with that in relation to um, Black people, or um, I'm going to go even further to say people who are just above the poverty line. Um, you have a weird um, gap between these people in these garments. But the reason why they, they want these pieces are because they're aspirational. So I think when mm. I think um, luxury, I think about aspiration. And um, I don't know if you guys want to talk about this, but like. I have some opinions on Dapper Dan and the Gucci thing, and I just feel like. Let's hear it. L- lay it on us. Let's go. We're here for like, all of I, it. I just feel. <laughs> I feel that. Um, I actually saw him in person. I got a chance mm. to say a few words to him, and what I said. We happened to be in the same fashion show 
um, mm. at Howard University. And wow. I said to him, you know, I, I went, I had a show and I came before that and these were my pieces. And I just, I shook his hand and I held his hand and I said, you know, um, we would still support you if you did this without Gucci. And he said, and that was it. And I think that it's so unfortunate that we had to recognize his value through the lens of Gucci. Dapper Dan Mm. is a genius. He did not need Gucci. And it's, it's, it's really interesting because he would not have been able to propel himself had he not been using Gucci logo and the Louis Vuitton logo. And I said to him, if you would have just, if you, I'm like, you've got your, you're in place. Like everybody knows you. If you replace these logos, all of these European and um, all of these other brands and you put your D on top of that, you replace it with your, your DD. I'd be like, we'd be all mm-hmm. over it because it's ours. It's a hundred percent ours. And I know that he has this thing of um, being in control of the culture being in control of the culture that they try to steal from us and sometimes and Mm. I think in one of his interviews he mentioned that it's better to be on the branch of the tree that has already started and my opinion is well fuck that tree we need to start a whole new tree we need to start some Mm -hmm. new seeds all the way over there work and that takes generational (laughs) patience it's going to take you 100 Mm -hmm. years to become a heritage brand Gucci's been around for years Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's it takes a certain level of of um of courage and sacrifice in order to to do yes. that. Amazing. I think that yes. We and the thing is, when you said we would support you, like we really we want to do it, and we're there. Like nobody's gonna carry you like the spending power and like the support behind like the black consumers of fashion, which is black people period. If they wear clothes, which is like all of us. So yeah, I think that's a great transition. I really want to talk like kind of switching gears a little bit. I really want to talk about your work. And I know you mentioned you went viral in 2017 with your prom dress. So 2015, excuse me, 2015 with your prom dress. I want to know like, what that was like, how did that change, like, sort of your life's course, if at all? Like, what did that feel like? What was the behind the scenes like? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, it's really interesting because, like I said, I was 17 and I had just, I don't know if I graduated um, high school yet or if we were preparing to graduate, but that was on my mind, mm-hmm. this concept of leaving this old town and going to Manhattan and going to my school for fashion. Um, Mm. I originally, so what happened is is everything that I do is always out of necessity. It's literally so that I can survive everything that I create is so that I can survive. And it just so happens that other people need it also to survive. Mm. Literally. I refuse. I refuse. As you guys know, from that seed that was planted in kindergarten. Now it's a tree (laughs) in high school. I was like, I cannot conform. I cannot wear a pink, sparkly dress and and be like okay mm. this is this is beautiful i'm like there has to be some other versions of beauty you know and yep. um people people have known me for like wearing my afro around the city and that was kind of new for folks so they were like oh yeah the afro and i was like yeah like this, that's what your hair looks like too if you let it grow you know and so um i had already been in this sort of space <laughs> of like of um uncovering my beauty, uncovering my version of, of what beauty could be and what it had already been. So with that being said, um, 
And also, I, I'm an artist, so I painted all of my life. Is that your work <laughs> behind you? I know it's a podcast, yeah. but that's Actually, beautiful. It's I'm amazing. I've been looking at that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, like I, I'm obsessed with painting and um and and just visuals. Period. So yeah, I create whatever I feel is necessary to be in the world. And so what what happened was, I felt like the the people from my city their version of value did not look like them. So I felt like they thought that whatever was beautiful and whatever was valuable and whatever was worthy of praise was something outside of them. And mm. I, I wanted to prove just to my local community, especially to the little girls, because we have a toast off for prom. I don't know if you guys heard of toast off. No? All right. So, um, so like before you go to prom, there's toast off and like all of everybody from the city comes to like your school and it's like a huge audience and everybody just watches you come oh. in with your date and stuff. It's like a red carpet. Yeah, yeah. And I'm thankful for that because that definitely inspired the whole concept. So I was like, I know people are going to come out. This is my chance to send a message. And so um, specifically to the little girls and even the the young boys at the time. Mm. And I wanted to show them that um, there was a such thing as African beauty and that it could look the way that I had presented it. And so my favorite color is blue. But I was so fixated on this being a powerful message that I chose the color red. I know what red does to the psyche. It gets you going. It gets the blood jumping. So I decided to use red. But, oh, here we are. So going back to the reason why I I brought up the whole fact that I'm an artist is because at the time I was going to a lot of art museums. um, And... I was so fascinated by the Renaissance painting. So, you know, all of the clean poses when they're like, with their huge yeah. dresses, just like in 30,000 pounds of velvet and these huge, mm-hmm. you know, cors- um, these huge skirts and then um, cinched corsets. And I was like, this is so beautiful, but I've never seen a black person unless they're like holding their shoe up or something. So um, right. I was super inspired by that in, in the sense that it hurt me, but it inspired me to, to, literally combine that aesthetic this aesthetic of feminine power because that's what i saw when i saw these queens and you know mm-hmm. forever to paint them you could tell and i was like this is what majestic is and i was like, okay so let's combine that with african print and literally that's mm-hmm. how the dress together so it was all about femininity, power black beauty and um you know this idea of past and, and future combined and um yes. it, it ended up being something that people across the world gravitated to. And I think in that moment, and it literally happened in a moment, I was at prom um, and my friend came over to me, the same guy who used to tease me came over and he was like, um, do you know your own world star? And I'm like, what's world star? <laughs> he was like, world star, where they post like Chris Brown and all the celebrities. And I was like, oh, okay. And I go to it and literally <laughs> it's like 60 K likes. And I'm oh like, Oh my Bloop. God. And, and so my phone is literally beeping to the point where it's like a long beep. It's not even like beep, beep, beep. It's just like constant <laughs> beep. And I'm like, my phone off. Like this is not happening right now. So it honestly felt like a dream. It really, really felt like a dream. And I think I'm going to be 40 years old when it hits me and it's full impact. Mm, that is so I remember beautiful. seeing that. I, I remember seeing it too. I think we were all so inspired, especially with what you're saying about how 
you know, you were showcasing a type of beauty that isn't typically shown in that space. And I think that's why it went viral. That's why so many people were inspired by it. It's because you don't see African culture or African beauty represented in those spaces as feminine, as beautiful, as, as you know, pers- like it's procedures. Exactly. So I think definitely it was so amazing how you decided to step out the box and you really create something that wasn't typically shown in that space. And also something that you've been vocal about as well, that Makita and I are absolutely here for, we love it, is, you know, that your design and your art really focuses on representation and on Black empowerment. And we kind of want to talk a little bit with you, you know, about what it has been like to maybe not have that representation and what that's felt like. And also how that's, I guess, more about how that's influenced your designs and what your experiences have been like, even with, you know, your success and your virality, you know, being in those maybe white dominant spaces or, you know, how your identity plays into navigating those spaces. Yeah. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so in, in, in regards to navigating these spaces, you know, I, like I, I was 17. And so I was going from high school into college, which was already a huge transition. Um, and I also left New Jersey to live on campus in Manhattan. So I left my like little town to now be in this space where it was literally, you know, huge, um, yeah. huge buildings and people we are walking back and they don't care about you. And it was like, whoa, you know, a very different world. So um, <clears throat> I actually went through multiple transitions and sometimes people forget about that. They're like, oh, you just you went viral. And, and what happened? I'm like, yeah, I went viral, but I also went to college. And I was also dating female at the time. Yeah. And like, just kind of like in a really funny space because I was constantly having to adjust literally on a daily day-to-day basis. My first year of college was the most challenging time of my life thus far. Um, mm-hmm. it, there were times, I know you guys wanted to talk a little bit about like, um, me in, in fashion school and that mm-hmm. transition, yes. you know, that transition was pretty hectic because my professors just didn't believe <laughs> that I was doing the things that I was doing. I mean, I was like, Hey, I have to go to California. They want me on this TV show. You know, New York times mm-hmm. wants me here. They want me here. And they're like, Oh no, you need to be here. And I'm like, listen, like this, this young black girl is doing big things and you better believe yeah. it. So it was a very, to do it. yeah. Like, they just did not there was a lot of doubt um coming from even a fashion institute and um Mm. that on top of um having to really question my value question my worth and to this day I'm going through that on social media because every time I post anything of mine and it's every time I post on social media I'm constantly Mm. weighing my value because I have to proclaim what it's worth before you know or after anyone comments like what what usually happens and I'm I'm, lear- I'm learning more and more but um and also I think that in like 30 years we're going to be able to look at look back on this social media generation and see mm-hmm. um its effects on mental health but I yep. was literally in a space where I felt like I had to go so hard y'all I was mm. exhausted I was so it was and it's to this day it's just me and my mom. My mom's my manager. So it's her um, and I it's her and I through everything. And yeah. um you know there's so cute, first of all. I love that. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's, it's just like that. It's that's really just how it is. But I was really struggling because 
um, I felt like if I didn't put out something that was equivalent to this day, to this day, this is a part of my subconscious. I cannot lie to y'all because that people need mm. to hear this. I was going, I literally went from, okay, this is amazing. People love me. People love my design, not designs, mm. design period. Cause it was that one design. Right. So now I'm like, mm. all right, now I got to do it again and again and again. And it has to be on this right. level arm dress. So you're talking about a 17 year old mm. juggling college. And by the way, fashion school is not easy, at least not at Parsons, which is the top fashion design school in the world. Um, right. Everybody had to sew already. I didn't know how to sew yet. So I was kind of like in, in a. Um, I was having to grow at a speed that I've never grown before. Um, but obviously mm. everything God doesn't give us anything that we can't handle. So I'm alive. But yeah, like I had to post. I had to post. Every time I posted, it had to be like this, this um, explosive event. And that was a lot of pressure for me. And, mm. um, you know, it's gotten a lot better now, but it's still a part of my psyche now whenever I post something. But at the end of the day, I was juggling my value and other people's idea of me. So, um, tough. yeah. We know was- <laughs> how it feels like to start college. Sorry, not to cut yeah. you off, but to, that's tough and you know you have the accolades almost like you might have more clout than anyone in the room if that's what the measure is but then that like okay I'm learning how to sew and I'm sure I'm I'm curious to hear even like about first of all congratulations on graduating from Parsons that's major that's huge (laughs) and we're proud of you for that but I'm wondering like what it was like to be in those rooms were there ways that like you were taught to design by them that you have now like that you're out of that space abandoned like where you feel did you feel like forced to design and to think about your designs in a certain way by that school and then also like how did that compare to how sort of social media was sort of wanting you to be like what and then where were you in all of that you know like what was that like yeah so in in those spaces and god it was a space um (laughs) a new space, a total, literally, I felt like I was in another world, just a completely different, I don't know if you've seen like Parsons, like their classrooms or their, um, the, the, um, university center. Mm-hmm. It's literally like a spaceship. So I felt, I felt once again, it reminded me of kindergarten where I was like, okay, this is a system. Don't let the system break you. Don't let the system make you, you're navigating. Mm-hmm. If anything you can change the system and you can inspire the system, don't let it, you know, crumble you. But in those spaces, um, there was definitely the, the way that they taught me was from, from a luxury standpoint. Mm. So the garments that they wanted me to make were for people who had a lot of money. And with that, what that meant was it doesn't matter, um, who has access to these items. It just matters how beautiful they look. And that that Mm. really was, um, I was so conflicted with that because I, you know, I thought my prom dress was beautiful, but it was still accessible, you know, to people from my community. Mm -hmm. But when I was in that space at Parsons, it was very much so about make sure it's beautiful and make sure it's super neat and make sure it's, you know, seams are right and now I'll get into that in a second but but <laughs> it was a, it's a very like super prestigious um space and mm-hmm. I'm gonna just run it all the way down okay we'll I would say it. 
60 to 75 percent of the student body are Asians. And as we know, Asia has a fascination with hip hop and black culture. So we're talking about and, and streetwear. Streetwear mm-hmm. is cute, but it's not necessarily the thing that I'm constantly working on. So I wasn't making streetwear garments yet. Everybody in the room was inspired, you know, by by the music that I listened to on the regular, the the, um, mm. the way that I wore whatever. And I was just like, it's so amazing to see and amazing in the sense that I was like in awe and kind of a huge culture shock, which is the reason why I went to Parsons. People were like, why didn't you go to an all black school? And I was like, because I've been around black people all my life. Like, I'm trying to see how, you know, what the world is really like. So and I did. Mm. Um and being in those spaces, <laughs> yeah, being in those spaces, um, I found that. So there's a few things. There's the system of the school um, in regards to how you pay for college, and um, literally like dorming and very financial aspects of it, which is very capitalistic. Mm-hmm. Although they claim to be more of a um, liberal school, it's not because if your structure. Right. And system is based on capitalistic ways then that's just what it is and it was it's all about mm-hmm. money mm-hmm. so we, we're dealing with that which was very depressing for someone who just wants to create a better world literally right so you have that but then you have your professors and you have your students so i'm gonna talk about the professors like i said there was um a huge there was a lot of pressure to make sure everything was perfect i'm not a perfectionist I don't believe we're perfect. I do not believe the world is perfect. So why are we trying to make perfect, you know, garments? Mm. Um, I, we definitely have, we, we, we live in a society where um, a garment is perfect because you have an assembly line of people making that piece. It's not one person starting from beginning right. to end, you know? So it's a very manufactured machine based process behind the garments that we wear and 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 Mm. when I was in school it was like you know could you see that being in the store and I'm like honestly if I make it it probably won't be in the store so there was a lot of self-doubt because I Mm. wasn't a perfectionist but they wanted me to be a perfectionist but um there was that and then just the the disbelief that I was who I was or um Um, you know, just the the lack of 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 confidence in what it is that I was doing outside of school, and and that was that was hard to deal with because here I was, someone who didn't really know how to sew, and I'm trying to tell my professors that like Tyra Banks wants to meet me. You know, they couldn't they couldn't put mm. the two together, and. Um, that made me confused as well. And I was like, maybe, maybe I shouldn't, maybe I need to be in school. So it was like constantly. And then there was the whole thing. Maybe you don't need to go to school. You know, you got it already. You're, you're Mm -hmm. what my life could have been like, had I gone to fashion school. Um, but I had to make that decision and I did already before I went viral. So I was like, I'm going like, I'm, I've been accepted. Like, this is what it is. Right. But then you have this student body. And I want to just say that, um, I think that the students affected me on the same level that the system did because I was able to like mm. go around the professors because I'm like, oh, they're old. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? They're like, just out just, of touch. Yeah, they're just out of touch. <laughs> that was my whole thing about it. But um, with the students, no lie, 
I'm, I remember, I remember when Donald Trump got elected and oh my God, this being such a liberal school and, you know, mm. people are all about human rights and oh, fashion and art. So we're creatives. Yep, we're, you know, New York. <laughs> right. New York. So I was like, okay, let's see what y'all are really about. So Trump gets elected and everybody's crying. Everybody's like bawling tears. Oh my God. He doesn't care about women rights. He doesn't care about gay rights. And I was just like, how long have you been living in America? And you're just now, I'm like, this is not, this is not new. You know, this is a very normal thing. If anything, Trump just puts a face to it. But we've been dealing with this for hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. And um, I found myself kind of like, I felt like they disregarded my perspective. Because had they, you, if they would have taken into account what black people go through in this country, they would not have been in such a shock. You know what I mean? They mm-hmm. would just, it was mind blowing to me. I was like, wow, people are really sad. Like, I can't, is this how, is this what like, you know what I mean? Like white tears look like. And I found myself kind of, um, I found myself in a space of like, I felt very disconnected from from the, the other students. And it was very cliquish. Everybody was rolling up in like Rolls Royces and Mercedes. And I was taking the train, you know, from Jersey. Yep. <laughs> and, and so it was like, it was a real life. Um, because if you know anything about Parsons, you know it's about money. And you know those students have money. So they could very well start a fashion brand today if they wanted to, you know. Fully they funded don't, by their mama. Yep. Fully funded. <laughs> we're going to stock the whole store up today like that kind of thing and um you know gucci slippers in rain i'm like girl what are you doing like just very just abundant and not caring about the issues of the world but then trump got elected and and then i saw a bit of a shift and i was like, okay people people care but this is what it took for them Mm. to care which lets me know that they never really analyzed the state of this country they never had to deal with it before so that actually inspired me to create one of my paintings called Make in America, where um, it's myself <laughs> because my professor, she just couldn't understand. We had to do an assignment where we like talked about different. We had to choose an issue in the world and like basically work on that issue. And some people chose women rights. Some people chose gay rights, which were usually the top two things that people talked about in the school. And I wanted to talk yeah. about racism and gay rights and femininity, like the intersectionality of it all. Because at the time I was dating um, a woman at the time and I was dealing with being the only black girl in the classroom. And then of course, Mm. like I was a woman. So I felt that triangular effect. I felt all of those pressures on me. She was like, you know, I don't really understand what you're trying. Why are you trying to do? You have to, you have to choose one and what makes you. And I was just like, you don't get it. And so what happened is I felt in my, my biggest um, strength is my, my ability to make you feel what I feel through my vision, through my visuals, whether that be a dress design, a suit design or a painting. Um, And so I said, okay, I'm going to create something where you actually can understand on an emotional level, because right now you don't have any empathy. You're just thinking logically. So what happened, what that inspired me to create um, this illustration where it's a woman, it's me sewing my hair into the American flag. So it's the sewing machine, the, the American flag, 
And instead of it being thread, it's her actual Afro being spun around and sewn into the flag. And she looked at me and she was like, I get it. And I was like, wow, this is the power of vision. This is the power of visuals. You know, you can, you can talk to somebody for, for a whole day and they still like, I don't get it. I don't get it. But sometimes it's that one image that shifts their consciousness. And so um, I found myself having to um, constantly um, prove my perspective, <laughs> which is so exhausting. Um, prove, prove who... And when I say prove my perspective, I mean literally prove my existence because mm. I don't, people didn't understand that my everyday life was so hard to go through. You know, folks were like, oh, my hair is a hot mess. And, and it's just like, they put it up into like a ponytail and it's like, oh, I'm having a bad hair day. And I'm like, girl, you don't know what a bad hair is. Like, you know For what real. I mean? It's like tiny things like that that shifts my whole day and I'm like just in this space where I felt like an astronaut on Mars like and the people on Mars were living without the astronaut suit and we're just like you know yeah yeah we like the air on here and I'm like I can't breathe like you know literally so um Mm -hmm. I felt like a speck in a large like pot of water in that school but it literally made me stronger it made me um push harder in my vision and it made me it made me not only understand people because once again we can't always blame people we have to really look at the system because the system Mm -hmm. makes it easy for people to be um ignorant um I was able to see just how easy it was for people to be in their bubble. You know what I mean? I saw how easy it was for people to dipple and like dabble into black culture, but not really um, understand it. And that was happening constantly in every collection. It was happening. And I was like, Oh my God, aren't you guys sick of the same? You guys are constantly making these street where it looks, I'm like, they did this already in 2000. Like, right. Streetwear is because someone wore it just on their own. Like, so y'all I was really I was really going through it in that sense and then the pressure of like social media and that was a lot of pressure and I think people um I don't think people realize that and I was able to finally like make a post about it where I was like (laughs) you know um it's nice that you guys are inspired by me but um I make mistakes and I'm going through things you know like everything ain't Mm -hmm. sweet over here and uh-huh. folks really thought like I was out here living it up like in a mansion. And I'm like, just because I went viral doesn't mean my pockets went viral. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. <laughs> like, there's a whole <laughs> and and the concept of supporting people on social media is a, is like where I've I've gone what through so many thing. waves. I've gone through so many waves because it's like folks think that like clicking like is this like supreme version of support. And I'm like it's so interesting that I have all of these likes, but no one is buying, you know, from my website. No one is clicking on my website mm. and purchasing anything. Mm. They're clicking like. And I remember, like, it wasn't until, no lie, it wasn't until two months ago. Somebody was like, yeah, I have your pictures on the wall. You inspire me. And I was like, somebody literally took the time to print out my designs and put that on their wall as inspiration. Mm. And I it didn't hit me until that moment. And I said, this is a, this, I, 
I find myself giving so much of myself on social media and receiving likes. You know what I mean? Mm. Mm-hmm. And it's not the same. It's, you know, it's like the energy isn't fully reciprocated because people don't really know how to support one another. Um, right. We don't know. And it's not just financial support. It's it's more than that. It could be. Tell me why you're inspired. You know, don't just save it to your your um. you know how Instagram you can like save things now. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, the bookmarks. <laughs> yeah, the bookmarks. You be so, seeing like, all of them. Yep. Yo, like I'll have a post up and it'll have zero comments and it'll be 43 people who saved it. So it hits me and I'm just like, mm-hmm. you guys at least told me what was so, ins- tell me why this, why are you saving it? Like reciprocate right. energy. And it felt at, mm-hmm. that's take a two week break from social media because people just take and take and take. And it's like, oh, you're so inspiring. That's real. And I'm like, yeah, I'm exhausted too, <laughs> you know? No, nope, mm-hmm. that's so real. But the timeline won't eat that up, right? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, man. But there's a it's lot of so great- interesting. <laughs> no, definitely. Everything you just said, all the nails have been hit on the head. I especially love what you were talking about. There's something that McKean and I talk about a lot. And also, you know, just in general, I think intersectionality is something that does not get talked about enough. Just in terms of intersectional feminism, even thinking about intersectional environmentalism, how everything literally interconnects in so many different ways. And sometimes they kind of want to pigeonhole you or put you in a box without understanding that all of these other things impact you and the way that you see the world. And I think especially something that I wanted to ask you about as well, just from my own personal interest as well, because I'm studying sustainability and environmentalism. That's what my whole major is. Yes. You know, we love that. Sustainable That's fashion. the eco-gal herself. <laughs> the eco gal, we love to see it. I but love it. I would love to talk about it because you know I was doing my little my little stalking and research for this interview, <laughs> and I saw an, an interview that you had done where you were talking all about sustainability and fashion, and I felt so inspired because that's something that I've been trying to preach on my platform is what you were talking about with how sustainability goes so much further than just environmentalism, especially with sustainable and ethical fashion, but it's also about the people and the social implications. And that is such an important message to preach. And I just wanted you to talk a little bit more about it, just in terms of, first of all, what does sustainability and fashion mean to you? And just why do you think it's so hard for these brands to incorporate that social sustainability in their life? And just also thinking about, for anyone who might be listening, for us as well, the three of us as, you know, consumers of fashion, how can you be, you know, sustainable consumers of fashion? What's the advice for that within, you know, this capitalist society that we live in or, you know, where people are just trying to line their pockets, but not really caring about the people that they have to step on to get there or the environment that they hurt mm. so much there. That was a very loaded question that I just asked you, but in a nutshell, just sustainable fashion. Kai, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Um, yeah. And by the way, I love the work that you're doing and sustainability. Like I'm also Thank inspired. You. <laughs> for sure. Thank you. but um like in terms of you know sustainability is funny because it's it's really a buzzword at this point and that's what fashion tends to do fashion has the ability to make something that is so important super super superficial like they can fashion can turn like the thing that can change the world into something that you just put on a t-shirt you know Mm -hmm. so like I've seen it. I've seen like the term sustainable on t-shirts. And I'm like, is that t-shirt sustainable? Or is that a brand new t-shirt? You know what I mean? Like yeah. what 
nobody is sustainable about this. Um, also at Parsons, sustainability has become a huge topic, especially towards the, the like latter part of my years there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I majored in fashion design for systems and society. And I was in one of, I was in the only sustainable class for fashion design. <laughs> and it's funny because I was like, why isn't all fashion sustainable design? Like, only one? <laughs> yeah, class, and it was like you you had to make that decision, and sure enough, um, it wasn't that many of us, but um, I made that decision because I never thought of sustainability as something that was just environmental. Um, we live sustainable lives, like our lifestyle is a sustainable lifestyle. So, um, mm. When I was going to school, everything was about how can we use natural dyes and how can we make a garment that disintegrates into the soil? And I was like, that's cute. Yes, <laughs> people, people are, you know, natural resources go so much further than the earth. Like literal people are also natural resources. And so in terms of what I think about what I think sustainable fashion is, I think it's it has to be accessible to everyone and it has to be um it has to cross all of the borders. If you ever realize, do you like, I've noticed that a lot of sustainable wear is extremely expensive. So like you'll see things, that, you know, like things that are like $800 because it was made from, you know, water bottles. Like, okay, like I get the technology and the invention aspect of sustainability, but like, why are we making this once again an inaccessible aspect of fashion? Like this should be the most mm. accessible aspect of fashion. We have so many unused garments. It's insane. So like my um, page desire discard where I sell like um, just pieces. like this is a thrifted item that I'm wearing right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like, I'll like find pieces that I think are really cool and like I'll sell them on there. And then I also have um, collections that I put out like twice a year and it's called human. H-U-E men. And I make all of my pieces um, inspired by color because when I go into a thrift store, that's all I see. I like as a like painter, like that's the way that I organize my ideas. So I have two versions of of my sustainable wear, which is human clothing and then my desire to discard, which is just items that I find in the thrift store and I just sell them. And then I have human where I actually go in and reconstruct items. So once again, this is what it means to be layered and have access to multiple things because something on desire right. to scar, you know, is going to be half the price as a human piece because I didn't have to go in and cut anything. But that's it right. makes sense because the receipt on the clothing, you know, that's why this is the value of it. No one had to go in and, and um, you know, re change anything. It was just a matter of finding what was valuable already in the store. Um mm. When I think about sustainability, I think about recognizing the value in things that people normally deem as invaluable. People have done that with Black lives for too many years. They do not recognize our worth, and it is time that we recognize our worth. So when I think about sustainability, you know, when I think about sustainability, um, I think about just the the very natural way that we are. So so you, I don't know if you guys do this, but like my mom and I collect bags so we don't throw away like our <laughs> bags you know what I mean we don't Yo, throw away our black bags. people been sustainable okay and I graduated last year in 2019 and I'm still used I had I got so many flowers um from loved ones and I I dry those flowers okay and I use them in my bath water to this day so sustainability mm-hmm. is a lifestyle you know sustainability is so much more than um 
this idea that we have to make some sort of machine that can transform this garment into something that can disintegrate into the air. Like it don't have, it doesn't have to be that deep, you know, right. we just got to be able to use it for a long time. <laughs> sustainability. It seems like sustain, in my opinion, sustainability is the, the most common sense way of, of approaching life period, you know, longevity, um, saving money. And it's unfortunate that, um, that's not aspirational. You know what I mean? Mm. It's not necessarily something that people want to invite into their lives because pe- people are so fixated on, on things. It's the way that we want to represent ourselves is usually through things that are new, things that are fresh, things that have never been worn by anyone else, um, and expensive items. Or if they're not expensive, mm. then something that's cheap but cute, you know? So it's kind of like... <laughs> having to and I'm I'm sure you know like having to navigate through that space and say actually like that's cute yes but like these are also some other options I mean I have friends who are like I'm never going into a thrift store I could never wear somebody else's clothes and I'm like okay mm-hmm. would you wear this and they're like yes I would wear that and I'm like it's from the thrift store put it on you right. know so like it's <laughs> And fashion, once again, is synonymous with the terminology of newness, right? And it always has been. So it's a matter of us changing definitions. And I always say this, but I'm so much more interested in a garment that's in its third life than a garment that's in its first life. I mean, like the garment that's in its third life is so much more interesting to me. I love to see little holes and I love to see the seam ripping. It's like someone lived in this so now here I am Mm. I can put this on and it's not necessarily that I'm living their experiences but there's a human quality to it and I personally love when things look a bit worn in um and I think it also represents the the world and the space that we're in right now like things are unraveling and we're noticing like shit is not cute like it's really not that cute out here things are not perfect (laughs) um so and that also that's the other thing so in school as you guys know, like my first year, everything was about perfectionism, second year perfectionism. And then my junior year, I was like, okay, Kai, you have two more years left. This cannot be about your professors. This has to be about you. Like you're paying money yep. for you. Them. So I made, I made a huge decision to make that shift into a sustainable class. And this was the first year that they did it um, in my senior year, but I was making sustainable clothes already junior year because I just couldn't afford to go to the fabric um, district and buy the fabrics for whatever amount of money it was for yards. I was just like, I'm not about to um, spend all of my little lunch money on these fabrics. So I just went to Goodwill and that became my material. That was my foundational piece and all through junior year, that's what it became. And naturally, it stopped being about what was perfect. And it started being more and more about what just made you feel something. You know, we've lost that aspect of not just clothing, but in music, too. And in so many aspects of our culture, we lost what it really means to feel something. Things are just beautiful. And it's like, that's that's fine. But like, can we go like at least two levels underneath that? You right. know, so um. It's a weird space because usually fashion is about glamour and about, you know, being perfect. But in my world is not. <laughs> mm, I love that. Yeah. I think the I think the word of this whole episode for me is your emphasis on value and like redefining what is valuable and sort of I, I agree. Like, it's beautiful when you see things lived through and like having like the experience and you imagine like where this has been and like how it's been worn like someone might have worn this on a first date like someone might like who knows like that's that's an exciting thing and that's 
and it's cheaper. Like at the end of the day, it's cheaper, like, which is more reasonable and more accessible. So I, I, I'd love that perspective. And I think, you know, this whole conversation has just like made me excited for you. Like, I don't know what's to come for you. I don't know what your plans are. We would love to hear whatever you got going on. I think, you know, as we bring this conversation to a close, like, where do you imagine yourself? Like, and your yeah. dreams, and whether it's five years down the road or like you keep referring to like 30 years or 40 years from now, like where do you dream of being like, at, you know, whenever, like what's your dream? Yeah, I am. So right now I'm writing two books because I Ooh. I used to do like these super long captions on Instagram. And I was like, people are not like reading this or, you know, people aren't responding to it. So I kind of like got really depressed. And I was like, well, if people are interested in my work and I believe there are some people out there who really want to hear my opinion and my advice. I was like, I'm just going to go ahead and go into author mode, like, you know, boss up. Yes. On them. So um, I'm writing two books right now and they're both about creation so people have a lot of followers who do the same thing that I do um not all of them want to buy from me a lot of them actually just feel inspired by me and that's perfectly fine like I get that I'm here on this earth for that reason five years later I'm finally letting that be the case like I get it now Mm. um took me a while to to really understand the power of influence and inspiration especially on the younger generation you know people who are about to be really walking the earth in 20 years right writing two books um and i have faith that they will inspire free thinkers and yes. they they will allow fashion to be a lot more accessible on their own terms so it's kind of like two how to books so i have that going on and um and like i just mentioned so the human collection i have a human collection coming out in mid september and um very soon this weekend I'm going to be uploading a few pieces to desire discard so there's that and in terms like of my five-year situation I'm really focused on my community y'all um a lot of people are talking about politics and talking about um you know not having faith in the government there yeah like none of us you know really have faith in the government people are like I'm not voting because it doesn't difference and that's another conversation but I always feel like it's really interesting how we keep thinking that they have all the power when they know that we have the power technically like every time they have a million dollars it's just a million of us with one dollar so it's like mm-hmm. the concept of unity and shifting of values is really what's been my my um, frame of mind and so I'm yes. focused on my community I'm going to a toy drive this weekend and I'm out here, like, posting flyers up about my human collection, about mental health, about voting and all of that. But what I'm doing is I'm mentoring a few people from the community, yeah. and we are learning how to sew. So we're learning skills that no one can ever take from us, you know? Mm. I think, like, 30 years ago, we used to have, you know, it used to be mandatory for kids to learn how to sew, for kids to learn how to do woodwork and stuff. Now it's just yep. like, let's, you know, everybody's robots now. We're learning stuff that doesn't even pertain to real-life scenarios. So I find myself just wanting to... um do this because in, in in a lot of urban community sports have taken over. So you'll see a lot of people um, putting all of their eggs in the basket of sports. And I'm like, why isn't it interesting that um, you know most of our young dudes are like interested in sports, but like also that's just the system. But when 
like a, a shift would be if you had a company or a mentorship program that was all about fashion design and about creating art, you'd see an influx of people who were like, actually, I'm interested in that or I've been waiting right. for that. You know, yeah. so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just literally creating opportunities that I wish I had when I was growing up, you know, yeah. we love it. We are so happy. I'm grinning from ear to ear. <laughs> I'm thrilled. This has been such a great conversation. Like words cannot, first of all, words cannot express how proud we are of you. You are such an inspiration from Parsons to all the amazing accomplishments, the, you know, the Tyra Banks, the <laughs> Janet Jackson as well. Like, yeah. so, so much great things that you have accomplished, but also maybe like one of the most inspiring things that I found about you, especially just how humble you are and how real you are and genuine. I think that's something that's so valuable. So we're going to be reading those books. Makita and I will be yep. reading the books. Thank you. Oh, yeah. We will be we will be hyping you up. We are so so here for it. So thank you for this conversation. This yeah. To bring to bring this to a close, um, you know, a segment that Bikina and I love to do just to end our episodes and things on like a high note, you know, inspirational, joy, uplifting. Is to just talk a little bit about some of the things in our lives right now that are bringing us joy and that we're enjoying right now. So for me, I'm going to start. I have been rereading some old books that were like yeah. my favorite books growing up. Most of them were just like, honestly, like Greek mythology type of books because I was absolutely obsessed with that growing up. Greek mythology <laughs> was my thing. Oh all the Rick Riordan books, Greek mythology, um, Egyptian <laughs> mythology, all of it. I know it all. I was going to say, and then it like transferred into Kimmy, yes. but okay. So yes. we, we've known each other in another life. <laughs> we have. I, I can feel, I've been feeling that this whole, this whole episode. Wow. But yes, that is what I have been loving. Kai, how about you? How about you go next? Um, mm, y'all, I've been vibing. Like music has been my savior. Like I've been in here. This, I've been really vibing. And I'm, I just took my first DJ lesson as well. So, um. Oh my God. DJ, DJ, yes. Kai. Okay. DJ Kai. I've been wanting to learn how to DJ. DJ Kai yes. in the building. You go girl. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yes. So vibrations are real that's what it's been for me that's we love it that's also weird i was like i was praying i'm so glad y'all went first first of all because i could not think of like something right on the fly and i was like looking around my room i see my like i have my piano my guitar over there and i was like you know what that's all that's literally what i was gonna say and you said music and i was like shoot should i think of something else but i'm like no, no. that's really what it is like listen sure. lately like trying to learn songs that i love like it, or whether I've also been like I have this weird habit I'm not like I've always been kind of a musician but like never for real for real like just for fun mm-hmm. and I've just been thinking of songs lately so my voice notes are filled with like 30 second like ooh, I just thought hey. of this. <laughs> one day maybe I'll like, actually write them huh? like, from, like things you've written yeah they just come to mind like literally just melodies that come to my mind lately I don't know what that means but that's I'm gonna record them on my voice notes for now <laughs> <laughs> we love it's, it yeah that's it's bringing me joy grow yes here <laughs> for you. it oh my gosh my heart is so full i thank love you guys Kai. oh we love thank you too. don't make me cry i'm emotional i'm a cancer no. don't make me start no, i'm a cancer rising Pisces <laughs> sign we will both cry oh not the water signs <laughs> love to see it okay but that is all that we have for you guys today on this episode. Thank you for tuning in. Special thank you again to Kai for our being our special guest this week. Everyone, please go check her out on Instagram. You can find her at Mind of Kai. You can also find at Desire Discard. Anything else you want to plug for the people? Um, my website, which is shop.mindofkai.com. 
period. Go period. check that out. <laughs> yes. Well, Kai, it has been such a pleasure. Like, I really can't thank you enough for coming on today. And I just hope that people not only like your stuff, but buy your books, buy your designs, <laughs> buy your prints, buy whatever yes. you got going for you beyond the like double tap. And also thank you guys for listening today. Um, tune in next week where we have Lauren, Miss Raggedy Royal, a makeup guru and beauty artist that will be joining us to talk about like just the makeup world and what's everything that's going on over there because that's a whole other conversation that's a whole thing <laughs> yeah. on its own but yes thank you everyone make sure to keep up with us on instagram at black girl blueprint where you can send us any questions or discussion topics for our read the room segment or you can also email us at black blueprint at gmail.com and if you like this episode let us know by subscribing leaving us a little cute review you know it makes us yeah. feel a little special makes our day but a that's all we star. have you know a little five star rating you know if you're really feeling it um that's it see you all next week, week. all right hey, everyone bye, bye. bye.